how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. To infinity and beyond! Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? It's classified. You talking to me? I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. I can't lie! Expecto Patronum! Entertainment X. You never know what you're going to get. For this episode, I chat with Lauren Elder. Lauren and I talk about her career on Broadway, on the West End, and her association with Mary and Max, a show I've been hearing great things about. Uh, We talk about her current status, given the uh, pandemic in the world, and we talk about what keeps her moving forward each and every single day. And this is a wonderful, wonderful conversation with, I think, a lot of great takeaways on following your path and being true to yourself. So I hope you enjoy this episode and keep on keeping on. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe. And today with me on the phone is Lauren Elder. Lauren, thank you for taking this phone call today. Thanks for having me. We are going to cover a bunch of topics. I don't want to make this about the current state (laughs) of the world, (laughs) but I'm sure it will come up and might as well address it at the very beginning. Um, How are you doing? How are you holding up? Are you creating? Um, I am creating. I'm doing pretty well. It's kind of like a day by day thing. Um, You know, one day I'll be totally fine and really productive and then. I'll have like a day or two of of just really feeling the undercurrent of anxiety and sadness and uncertainty in what's happening. Uh, but yeah, I have been creating. Uh, creating is really part of my therapy. So yeah. when I'm going through hard times, my creative juices really do start flowing without me even thinking about it, which did start for me like, almost at the beginning of March, I started writing some songs. I uh, created this one woman rent video, which is a project I'd been working on for a while, trying to put it on stage. And then this happened and I thought, well, (laughs) what better time than to do (laughs) rent all by myself. So so I released um, the opening number of that and I'm working on making a few more of those videos uh, now and uh, trying to get those out. And I've been learning all sorts of new things with that because I'm editing them myself. And so I'm learning new editing programs and, you know, it is keeping my mind busy but sometimes it slips back into what's actually happening in the world. And that can be a little tough sometimes. It can, but I'm surviving and I'm safe and I'm healthy. So I'm very grateful for that. Good. That's great. I, I, I want to take it back to the beginning of time for Lauren elder. What were your theater dreams growing up? Oh gosh. Uh, well, I mean, I've always known that I was a performer. I think, I was very young when I realized that I loved performing for people and I didn't really know about theater when I was that young. I was like two, three years old when I started singing and performing for my family. But then I, my parents took me to see cats when I was seven at the Pantages in LA. It was the national tour and we sat in the second row on the aisle and all the cats came up to me and <laughs> rubbed against me. And I was just 
my mind was blown. I couldn't believe that this was something that people did, that they got to play pretend and sing and dance for a living. And from then on, there was no other option for me. So my entire life has been performing. I got into the school shows. I directed my own shows as a kid with my sister and my cousins and the kids in the neighborhood and all of that. And then in high school, um, I went to high school in Santa Cruz, California, and there was no theater department at my high school. And I got there and I was like, well, this isn't going to work. <laughs> and so <laughs> I went to the principal and I said, can we start a drama club? Can we have a theater class? And she's like, okay. And, I, and then I said, well, can we put on a play? And she said, all right what do you want to do? And I said, noise is off. <laughs> and, and she didn't know what it was. And so she said, okay. And <laughs> she assigned us a faculty member and somehow we put on noises off with what? a three, with a two story, three piece revolving set that didn't even fit on the stage in our multi-purpose room. So we had to do it on the floor. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Why did you pick, why did you pick it? Why did you pick noises off? Because I was just really into it at that time. You, did you had you just like read it? Where did you just see? I had it? seen the movie. I had okay. seen the movie, and and I just thought it was hilarious, and thought it would be so much fun, and I thought it would be easier than a musical because we didn't need an orchestra, right? <laughs> but being such an you know a young theater department, we didn't have anybody we had no crew like we had a stage manager and a, a student director and and the cast and so that we built the set at intermission we would have to get our parents to get up from the audience and turn it around for us <laughs> it was it was comical but it was it actually turned out really good it was a really good production um, and the following year, we did the first musical at that school in over 30 years, which was Anything Goes. And I played Reno Sweeney. And then uh, my senior year, we did Grease. And I played Rizzo. And basically the entire school auditioned. And we had people from like every part of school. It was really kind of cool because it was like everybody became friends that year. We had like the star jocks were in it, you know, as like the Teen Angel and Vince Fontaine. And then oh like goodness. nerdy, nerdy theater kids and everyone in between. The popular cheerleader girls were in there. Like we had this really popular cheerleader as Cha-Cha Di Gregorio and it was it was so cool because it was like all of a sudden everyone was friends. There were no there were no boundaries between the groups and the cliques. It just all kind of became one, which was a pretty incredible way to end my high school career. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you went to you went to college in Santa Monica. Uh, I went a few different places. I started okay. at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, okay. and at that time they were in Pasadena. They're in Hollywood now. Um, and I only went there for a year because at the end of my first year, they sat me down and told me they weren't inviting me back for the second year and that maybe I should do something else with my life. And I basically looked at the guy and said, you're wrong. See ya. And, uh, I went on my way and I went to Santa Monica college for a while and, uh, did some shows there and then uh, applied for a Circle in the Square Theater Conservatory in New York. And that's when I moved to New York. 
And uh, that was like two weeks before 9-11, which was really nutty. But I kept going, you know, we stayed. I went through school and, and graduated there and, you know, really felt that I had found my artistic footing at that school. And then hit the pavement, which was frightening and scary. And I had no idea what I was doing and eventually learned how to crash DPAs, uh, equity principal auditions, because I didn't get an agent from our, our showcase at school. And, uh, and then eventually after going to all these EPAs as a non-equity, so I was like not getting seen at most of them or waiting around all day, hoping to be seen. Uh, I eventually booked hair. The, uh, the, it was the, at the time, just an anniversary concert to celebrate the 40th anniversary of hair opening at the public theater. And it was just a two week gig. And, I, it was just a concert in Central Park, three nights, nine days of rehearsal, just throw it up basically. And that is what became the Broadway revival. So it was a pretty magical experience. And then one of my favorite things is that then the American Academy of Dramatic Arts came knocking and they were like, we want to interview and we want to put you, your picture up at school. And I was like, I knew you would. Oh, so. <laughs> an alumnus. <laughs> <laughs> Oh and that's God. fine. You know, that's fine. I actually, I, I teach now as one of my, my survival jobs. And, and it's actually my dream now to get a job at teaching at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, because I want to give their students what I feel I did not get mm. when I was there. What was the, so, what was this relationship that I guess you could say blossomed with Diane? Because you were a part of the show across the pond as well. I was. Well, you know, there was a magic in this cast that they put together for the park. And and that's really what it was. Uh, they brought together a bunch of people that were, one, we had a lot of non-equity. About half of our cast was non-equity at the beginning. And I think, I think it was over two-thirds of the cast, maybe even three-quarters of the cast, made their Broadway debut with the show, including Diane. So we all really went through this journey together. Mm. We created the show together. It was a very collaborative process in the rehearsal room of, you know, them throwing out ideas and saying, run with it. Show us how you would interpret that. And so really, this group of people put this show together and we think that's why it was so magical and why they wanted us to stay together for so long. Because when we went to London, though we had already a few people had moved on to other shows, everyone from our original cast was given an offer. And all except, I think, three of us went. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it wow. was really incredible. And we are still in touch. Our hair cast is so close. We we still talk almost every day on this crazy text thread that we have going. <laughs> and I mean, this is it's been 10 years since we were in London now yeah. and and we are still in touch. We've had Zoom parties where we we turn on our cast recording and dance to ourselves and <laughs> Uh, it's just, it's wild. The relationships and bonds that were formed through this show, it's its unlike anything else. 
And a lot of people were saying that. I would say that the people that were more experienced in our cast at the time when we were starting rehearsals were already remarking, this is different and you don't get something like this. This doesn't happen often in this industry. And now all of us still remark, wow, we are still so close. We cannot believe it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what was that like at the beginning in rehearsals with this mixed bag of, you know, so, I mean, there were some veterans in there, but really mostly all new to this. Mostly you know, all new. It was, you know, it was nice because, well, it was kind of funny because I had a few friends that were messaging me before I started the rehearsal being like, oh my gosh. And this was here, the, the concert, the original concert, because right. I, we hadn't heard casting, but a few friends were kind of on the inside and they were like, oh, I can't wait till you find out who you're working with. And I remember getting rehearsal and there were a couple of people that I knew I, I had met Karen Olivo and Sekon Senglo. Uh, because uh, my best friend Haven Burton was in uh, Rent with them. And so I had hung out with the Rent cast a lot at that time. And so I knew the two of them, but I had never seen Spring Awakening, so I didn't even know who Jonathan Groff was at the time. <laughs> and I think he was probably the most famous person in our cast. And really, I just... He was just another guy in the cast. Right. And that's... Honestly, that's how Jonathan acts anyway. He's one of the nicest people in this industry. And you would never know that he's a celebrity if you didn't know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it was really kind of cool because we all felt very much at similar levels with each other. So there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of ego or anything like that. It was just a place for us to play. Yeah. It was really cool. What was the, what was the journey following that? Because I know I know there's a lot of stuff in between, but I'm I I, I do eventually want to get to sideshow and the yeah. conversation there with, with that experience. Sure, sure. Well, so so after hair, uh, after London closed, I decided to not go on tour with the show. Okay. Because I had had multiple broken bones. It was <laughs> it was a beautiful show, but there were a lot of injuries. I wasn't the only one. There were injuries like every night. Part of, you know, we were so free. And sometimes when you're that free, you forget about your spacing. Uh, <laughs> and when yeah. people forget about their spacing, people get hurt. And that happened almost every night. Um, but yeah. but it, it was it was really it was quite challenging i was exhausted and so i decided not to go on tour and to come back to new york and and see what i could find and i actually ended up booking um an episode of boardwalk empire so i started my tv career uh i did an episode of louie and an episode of law and order svu and uh during that time i was also doing um what I do a lot of in my career, which is developing new musicals, uh, doing readings and workshops of musicals that are in development. And I got cast in the developmental process of uh, the musical of Bull Durham, uh, which is a movie from the 80s or 90s with Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins and Kevin Costner about baseball. And... Gosh, it's a great musical. I hope that they can get it 
to the point where they want it so that it eventually will will come out for the public. Um, I know they did a run in Atlanta. I was not in that because I was doing Sideshow already. But, mm. but however, the um, producer of that show is uh, also an incredible casting director, Laura Stanzik. And when Sideshow was starting, she was the casting director. And she wanted to bring someone in for auditions, uh, you, there's always a reader in the room and the reader's job is to read the other characters in the scene that the actor has been given for their audition. And she wanted a reader in the room that could also sing because in Sideshow, you know, the two leads are conjoined twins and they sing almost everything together. Mm. And so she thought, you know, I want, we want to be able to see how they sing with other people and, you know get that feeling in the room and so she called me and I got to sing I will never leave you and uh who will love me as I am with like gosh like <laughs> basically every female in our industry yeah. <laughs> which was which was exciting and nerve-wracking and with the entire creative team there Henry Krieger and Bill Russell who wrote the show and Bill Condon who's an Oscar winning you know uh film director and writer and it, it was just Anthony von Last, who who is an incredible choreographer. He choreographed Mamma Mia. Like it was just insane. Who I was sitting in there and singing for all day, yeah. and it was so funny. Because I wasn't up for the show, and friends of mine would come in for you know various parts. Some of them were up for Daisy or Violet, and some of them were up for ensemble roles. And I remember having moments where I thought, oh gosh, they're up for this and I'm not? Oh, I really wish that I was up for this. Yeah. And then I would sit there and go, well, wait a minute. They just got two minutes in this room and I'm spending all day, every day for three weeks in this room. Right. So, okay. I, I think I'm okay. And <laughs> and I really, I really found a way to be very grateful for what I was getting. I made a list in my, in my, a note in my phone of things that Henry Krieger would say to me every day because he would come to me and say things like, you sing with your heart and that's how I write. And oh I was, <laughs> I know, I know, <laughs> I know. And I would just like melt in my chair. Mm. And, and so I was like, you got to write these things down. You can't ever forget these, this moment. And at the end of the three weeks, they basically turned and said, well, we can't go without you. Oh my and God. yeah, um, they did actually make me come in and do an audition, <laughs> which I thought was, was, was comical. Um, um, but, but I did it and I gave it my all. And, you know, of, of course, they, they took me with them and I got to go and develop the show in La Jolla and then go to the Kennedy Center with them. And then our short little stint on Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was an interesting little ditty there. I mean it was I think it was fifty six performances. Somewhere. Oh wow, you know better than I do. I didn't count them. It was no I hey, come on, I did my research beforehand. This yeah. is not these <laughs> these things are written down. No, it's um <laughs> and the internet can sometimes be a mistaken place. So I could be wrong too. But uh what was what was that was that journey like for all of you guys? Because I mean that was that was a that's a powerful group right there. That yeah. know, on the surface, that's a surefire hit to me. 
Right. And we all really thought that this new perspective, the rewrite was so good. The the look of the show was so beautiful and cinematic, you know, due to Bill Condon's background in, in film. And we really thought that this was this was gonna work. And and it didn't. It was it was heartbreaking. It was really interesting because even though our houses were not full, I mean, sometimes <laughs> not even close to full, but every night you felt that audience connect to the show and they would cheer at the end of the show so loud that it felt like it was full. Right. And it was so hard because we thought if people would just come and see it, they would love it. But I think people were afraid to to come and see it i think the subject matter still makes people uncomfortable yeah. which is really unfortunate because i mean who hasn't felt like an outsider in their life who hasn't felt like a freak um mm. and and really that's that's really the core of the show is everyone feels like this and none of us are alone and and it was it's really beautiful it was it was really sad that that it didn't have the life that that it really deserved yeah yeah i'm i'm curious about your relationship with the word no and i i just think, <laughs> i think it's i think it's fantastic you know what you said about amda and you know the nature anyway it was, it was ada not Atta. not sorry, amda sorry, sorry, it was a, Atta. yeah Atta, Atta, it's okay Atta. everybody mixes them up it's ada but i i i'm curious cuz you know it is the nature of no the business can be that way and yeah. you keep going and look what happens and i'm curious exactly. you know is this a, is this a is this a, a self talk is this a gut feeling you know what you know yeah, it it really is a gut feeling. I I feel very very grateful that that growing up my parents didn't really I mean of course they said no about certain things, but they never said to me you can't do this. They basically always told me I can do anything I put my mind to. And I think that that belief was instilled so early in me that it's become part of my core. And, you know, in high school, I showed up, there was no theater department, I made one, I didn't care what they thought. And yeah, yeah the academy told me no. And I said, I'm gonna go figure it out. And basically, that's been that's been my my way in life. I know that I'm meant to do this. And I'm gonna keep doing it no matter what. So yeah. <laughs> and I, I hope others will do that. It's it's what I teach to all of my students. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't do something because you are the person that decides that. Yeah, but to and to feel that, do you have do you have like a daily ritual? Are you are you meditating? Is there a way in which you follow, stay more in tune with yourself and your your being? Yeah, well, I will I will admit that I've not been meditating as much as I should or would like to, but I do I do. Um, meditate uh, when I can <laughs> and I really do believe in the power of positive thought positive energy and manifestation I believe that that if you if you believe that something can be yours then it it can it will 
And if you continue to put that positive energy out there, it will come back to you. Now, does that mean that you can just believe that you're going to have a million dollars and you'll get it? No, you still have to put the work in. But I believe that when you have that mindset of that you can do anything, then that helps you take those steps. It, it encourages, encourages you to take those steps to make those goals and those dreams a reality. And helps you keep going. I know that when I get stuck in negative thoughts, it makes me feel like nothing can happen. And when I can switch my thoughts around and really believe that anything can happen, it does give me more energy. It makes me, it makes me want to go after them. Yeah. Is that, was that cultivated prior to moving over to New York? Or was that something that you hit on the, you know, learned and acquired on the, the mean streets of Manhattan? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes and no. Okay. So uh, when I was growing up, I, I kind of had that just in me. I didn't really think about it. I was always basically very positive and just would never take no as an answer and just went forward and believed that anything was possible. When the Academy told me that I couldn't do this, it did hurt my soul a bit and and even though I said you're wrong and kept going I then had a bit of a, a, a few years where they that thought was a little bit reinforced in me I went to um, a community college and joined their theater department and the head of that theater department also told me that I was not a good actress and basically thought that I could only play one type of character um, which was the dumb blonde. I played Irma and Anything Goes and Audrey in Little Shop of Horrors at that school and actually was nominated for an acting award, which I find really ironic when <laughs> the whole time they're telling me, you can't act. Um, <laughs> oh, um, but, but, you know, when enough people tell you something, you do kind of start to believe it. And so I, when I moved to New York, I moved there feeling like I was an amazing singer and not a good actress. Hmm. And so I thought, okay, it's okay. I'll get into musical theater because of my voice. And it was at Circle in the Square where I really started to learn the craft of acting and really believed that I was a great actress um, but it still has been kind of up and down and, you know, it, it's hard to, to stay positive and, you know, I also have, you know, mental health <laughs> issues that, that fight. I have, um, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety, um, about 19 years ago and, uh, you know, I've been dealing with those and really working hard to, to figure out how to to survive and to keep myself in a good place with that. And, you know, in the last few years, my sister has actually been a huge source of inspiration and help and positivity for me. And she is really the one that when I start having those negative thoughts, she pulls me out of it and she says, you can't do that. I don't want to hear the word no in your vocab vocabulary. Vocabulary. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, I don't want to hear. She, she says things like, I don't even want to hear you say, I hope that I can do this. She says, just say that you can. You can do it. Believe it. Um, and so she's, her name is Chelsea Elder. She's incredible. She has an amazing Instagram called Healthy with Chelsea where she inspires others to, to, 
be their best selves as well. Uh, and she also turned me on to an incredible book series by a woman named Jen Sincero. It's called You Are a Badass. And I recommend everyone go out and get those books and read them and do her exercises because that is when I really feel that my brain changed in my adult life to not accepting negative thoughts and really, really trying to keep everything positive and moving forward. Are you journaling daily? No, but I should be. I know I should be too. That's why I ask because the You Are a Badass series, I, I, I yeah. was gifted one of them by my sister and it's ah. a fantastic. It's a fantastic. She gave me like the pocket sized one where it's like you write yes. why you're a badass today and they have the quotes on the other side of it. But it's a fantastic check in, you know, each morning, you know, because yeah. like, how often do you wake up and say uh, something positive about yourself? <laughs> right the stigma attached to being like i'm great is you know oh, it is awful isn't that awful because <laughs> yeah. we are so great and we are so special and there's no one like us yes and i think when you when you really start to to own that is when things can really turn around and be amazing yeah yeah so all of you listening know that you're amazing and you're special and you do belong here you know, and talking on that theme, I want to bring up um, Marion Max because mm-hmm. I have heard I I had Bobby Cronin on the show. I had mm-hmm. uh, Drew Desky from DDM Productions. They just did uh, you know another talk back about the show uh, via yeah. online. So it's been like, and I've read the show, and and your name has been brought up multiple times. So it's just like it's been this whole like synergy of this show as well. And you know what, playing playing Mary, how, what has that done for you? And you oh, know, what does wow. that mean to you? Oh, Mary, it it means the world to me. I mean, one, Bobby has been a good friend of mine for almost 10 years. He's one of my best friends in the whole world. We met actually when I was in London doing hair. He came over and did a concert there. And that's when we met and just clicked immediately. And it was a couple years later that... um, I had seen Marion Max and his ex had seen it. And we both told him, you have to see this movie. It is so you. And he watched it and decided to write a musical and told me, he's like, I'm writing this for you. And I was like, (laughs) and, um, uh, while I was in DC with sideshow, he sent me my first song as Mary. And that's when I recorded the first demo of the song you never told me and and i've been on this journey with this ever since since the very beginning of this this concept in his mind and that has been incredible uh just to have someone writing specifically for my voice is is such a gift and then to get to know Mary so intimately has been such an incredible thing. I, it's funny. I feel like I don't even have to do anything when I play her. It's like we start and I just let her take over and I sit back. Lauren sits back and Mary lives her life for the you know two hours that we are in the show. And 
it is some of the most intense acting I've ever done in my life. She is a very, she's a, she's a troubled soul. (laughs) She's very lonely and sad and has had a lot of loss in her life. People leave her. And honestly, I think she's got some mental health issues that are not addressed in, in the show. Um, I think she's got major depression and maybe is a little bit bipolar. Um, And I've, when I cry as Mary, I don't cry like Lauren. It's like, it's, it's, it's like an out of body experience. It's really, really wild, but it's because I've become so close to her. I just know her so intimately that I don't, I don't have to think about it. And she's a beautiful, complicated character. And I just love her so much. And I really can't wait for the day that we get to bring it to New York and everyone gets to know this beautiful friendship that she and Max form. It's really, really special. And the reception has been great. (laughs) Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, we're really lucky. And I won my first actual acting award with it. I won the Broadway World uh, Regional Award for Best Actress for when we did it in Calgary. So that was exciting. <laughs> Come on. No, yeah. that's great. That's uh, that's I'm I'm excited to see where the show continues to go. And I yeah, I mean, it's it's funny this, you know, this relationship with Bobby, you guys are friends and 10 years later, look what happens. <laughs> I, I'm curious yeah. if you have other thoughts or views on, you know, relationships in the industry, uh, professional people, you know, you meet here or there. <laughs> Well, I will say, and I've told this to Bobby, so it's not a secret, but, you know, I do, I've always loved new musicals, new musical theater and and the process of developing them. And I remember when I first heard Bobby's music, I thought, this is really special and I love this and I want to get to know this person and I want him to write me a musical. And that was my thought before I met him. I remember going to that concert that night with that goal, thinking I'm going to meet him and he's going to write me a show. And, And then we became best friends and then the show happened. But, you know, I, it's not that, it's not that I didn't want to be his friend, but I did have that in mind. I thought, you know, I'm going to go become his friend and then this can happen. And, and I think that that is something magical in this industry that does happen. These friendships can create beautiful artistic works. And I've started having that happen in other friendships in my life within the industry, other friends that are writers that all of a sudden say, Oh, I've got this idea for this show. Um, even through Mary and Max, uh, I met Crystal Skillman, our book writer through Mary and Max. And in our late nights in my apartment in Calgary, while we were working on the show, we started musing about creating a TV show together. And now Crystal and I are hard at work creating a a musical comedy uh, a musical comedy tv show so we're working on that it's called overnight success 
And um, we've started putting out just a little bit of content on an Instagram that is my character on the TV show, Lauren Young. So if you want to go check that out, it's Lauren Young. She's got this on Instagram. <laughs> uh, and we're starting to put out some content. We're going to, we're, we've got some plans for a lot more to be coming in the near future to give you something to watch and entertain yourself with while we're still in this pandemic. And, um, yeah, it's, it's really exciting what can happen through friendships in the industry. It is because you never expect, I mean, you, you can't, I mean, it's funny though, but with that expectation in your mind originally with Bobby, but you guys end up blossoming <laughs> into such a wonderful relationship, <laughs> such a wonderful friendship. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You may have answered this already. Is there a role that has taught you the most about yourself? Ooh. Or a significant <sighs> amount. I mean, gosh, that's a really good question. A role that has taught me a lot about myself. I mean, probably, probably there's a few. I feel like because we, we change so much as, as people and grow so much, I would think that, you know, my part in hair, even though I was in the ensemble, I did learn so much about who I was as a as an artist, as a performer. Also, it was my first time doing eight shows a week, learning so much about what that takes, the toll it takes on your body and how to sustain it. Um, so I think I learned a lot about myself as an artist while I was doing that. Um, and I think Mary has taught me a lot just about, about trust and, and letting go. Because once I did that with her is when all of that magic happened. Just trusting that it was there. It's all there in the writing. It's all there in my prep. And I don't need to work for it that hard. It, it's just there. So I guess those two, those two experiences probably have taught me the most. Yeah. No, I, it, was it a long journey with uh, Mary and to open up and to trust yourself? Was this a new level of self-trust that you acquired? Absolutely. And I think it was just getting to know it so intimately for so long. I know that at the beginning I was very nervous. Am I going to be good enough? Am I going to do it justice? And then, you know, when we brought Stafford Arima on in the beginning, I got very worried. Is he going to like what I'm doing? Is he going to think I'm awful? I think there, for a long time, there still was that thought in the back of my head from my college days of, am I really a good actress? Can I really do this? And now I don't question that anymore. Now I know. And I learned that through this process of Mary and Max of letting go and, and trusting it and knowing that it is there and not pushing too hard for it, just letting it happen and knowing that some days it's going to feel different. Like there were, there's always this, this one point in the show, it's, spoiler alert her suicide scene um but she she gets you know everyone has left her and she's just incredibly incredibly sad and she tries to kill herself and every day in rehearsal i would just be sobbing this uncontrollable sobbing 
And then when we got to the theater, all of a sudden, the tears weren't coming. And I got really, really scared at first, thinking, oh, my God, what changed? What am I not doing? I'm not working hard enough. And I and I tried to push. I tried to force it to come. And any actor will tell you that that is not going to work. If you try and force it, it only gets harder and everything shuts down. And I, I, I spoke to Nick Adams that night, who was my co-star. Um, he played Damien, not Max. Uh Damien is Mary's love interest. And I spoke to him that night and I said, I didn't cry tonight. And and I don't know what happened and I'm really scared. And he said, but Lauren, you don't have to cry every night. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if the tears don't come. What you're doing is still, is still showing your, your emotions are still there. It is all there. And you're still telling that story. It doesn't matter if there are tears coming down your face. And that was such a, a lovely piece of advice. And, and he gave me permission to not cry. And I think just having that and remembering that made it even easier. And going forward, I think the next night I was just just sobbing uncontrollably again. Mm. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, I didn't cry again. And But I knew that it was okay. That maybe in that moment, the tears didn't come from Mary. But I was still feeling all of it. So as long as I was feeling it and it, you know, then it, it was there. I could trust it. It was okay. It's an amazing thing when the expectations can be dropped, you know, yeah. not, not to the level of like, there's no expectations here, so I'm not going to do a job at all, but like letting go, you know, yeah, like the idea of letting go. It's just, it's yeah, beautiful. it's very freeing in your current state over there on the West coast at home. Are you, and what is, I should rephrase, what is your, your, your daily, you know, routine, if you will, your morning ritual, writing, how are you going about, how are you going about that? Well, I wake up and I, I brought my cat with me. Hmm. So I wake up and I, and I snuggle with my cat a little bit in the morning and he is so happy here. He is happier <laughs> here than ever. I don't, he's not going to go back to New York with me. I don't think he's going to fight me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or he will and he'll be really mad about it. It's more space. But, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, all the windows here that he has. And I take him outside in the backyard and he just loves that. We don't have a yard in New York. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I wake up and I snuggle with my cat a little bit. And then I get up and I go into my mom's bedroom and we kind of like read the news and get upset about the stupid things that Donald Trump said. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then we usually get up and go and try and find a place that's not too crowded to take a walk or go for a hike. And that's been challenging because, you know, a lot of places you're not allowed to go right now. A lot of hiking trails are closed. Uh, part of some of the parks are closed. Some of the beaches are closed. So it's been a challenge to find a place where we both feel comfortable going because a lot of people over here right now in, in Orange County where we are are not wearing masks and I don't understand that. We're wearing masks everywhere we go, even mm -hmm. when we're exercising, which is the worst. But <laughs> yeah. but better safe than sorry. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we go out and we get some sort of exercise or we do a workout. My sister's been doing workouts on Instagram Live, so we'll do those sometimes. 
And then it just depends. There are some days I'm still, I teach, um, I teach acting and musical theater at New York Film Academy. And we have luckily gone online. So I am still teaching a couple of classes there. Uh, and I do private coaching, private acting and voice lessons. And I have some of my private clients that I'm still working with as well online. So depending on the day, sometimes I'm on the computer for basically the rest of the day. And then sometimes I'm not. I'm involved in a workshop of a new musical, which is being done on Zoom right now. And also, um, I have weekly meetings with Crystal Skillman and our producer and our directors for our TV show so that we're always making sure that we're moving forward on that. And then usually around, I don't know, whenever I'm done with that, sometime between, you know, five and six that's when I pour myself some wine (laughs) 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 and yeah and go outside I'm really lucky where I am I can see the ocean and watch the sunset and the sunset is just my favorite thing anybody that knows me knows that I'm obsessed with sunsets and so I watch the sunset every night and then I've been um binging Schitt's Creek with my mom because she had never watched the series. She watched like the first few episodes of the first season back when it first aired. And then I got here and I said, if you watched this and she said, no. And so we've been binging it and we are going to watch the final episode of the series tonight. Oh, good goodness. So yeah. And she's been slowly morphing into Moira Rose. So I'm going to try and do like a Moira Rose photo shoot with her soon. So everybody <laughs> look out for that. Can't wait. Can't wait for it. <laughs> That's a great show. That's a really great show. Oh, it's such a wonderful show. I love it so much. It's so it's so funny. I know now's the perfect time to binge. I yes. I I, I am here in my free time watching Gilmore Girls because oh my I God. was obsessed with Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and I was like, I got to see what else Amy's created. So, so I there you go. I've never watched the Gilmore Girls. Maybe that'll be my next one. Lauren, it's good. It's <laughs> really good. Anyway, all right. Um, I know you mentioned uh, you are a badass. Um, the book series. Are there any other favorite books or most gifted books that come to mind? Ooh, um, well, my my other favorite book would be The Little Prince. I love The Little Prince. I just think it is so. It, it's so happy and also sad but but so genuine and so magical it's just such a lovely little story if anyone out there hasn't read the little prince they should do that and then something on the completely opposite end of the spectrum one of my other favorite books is the bell jar by sylvia plath um a deep dive into depression and mental illness the bell jar uh, the Bell Jar, yeah, it's it's an incredible. It's fictional, but it's somewhat autobiographical. Um, it is a fictionalized story, but but Sylvia Plath, um, it is somewhat about her life and mm-hmm. her mental illness. And I read it uh, around the time that I was kind of starting to realize that I was dealing with depression and all of that, and it was just kind of comforting and wild to read at that time and I've always held that very near and dear um in the musical theater realm I uh I would 
really recommend Jack Viertel's book, Secret Life of the American Musical. That is something that I was turned on to by my dear friend Lance Horn, who is an amazing composer and music director and the leader of our Monday night party around a piano called Mondays in the Club with Lance that we were doing every Monday night at Club Coming. And when this all when this all ends and we're allowed to get together again, we'll do it again. But we are continuing that online as well. Every Monday night from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern Time, you can find us on Crowdcast. And uh, we are streaming our live Monday night crazy fun show, uh, which is just lots of people coming on and singing songs and wearing costumes and doing kooky things. And I really encourage you to come and join us there on a Monday night if you can. Oh, I will. Uh, that sounds great. You can find all the info for that on our Instagram, which is uh, at Mondays in the Club. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be hosting this Monday with Lance, and uh, it's going to be really, really fun. We always have incredible special guests. We did a whole Reefer Madness reunion last week with uh, for 420. We had uh, Christian Campbell and uh, Lena Hall, who was doing the workshop of Reefer Madness. And some of the original uh, people, Robert Torty, uh, Dan Studney, the composer. So we've just got all sorts of cool people coming in and, and doing fun things. So um, that's really fun. But, oh, to get back to that book, we did a, a whole book club last year on Monday nights where every week we would sing the songs that Jack talks about in each chapter. Uh, this book, Secret Life of the American Musical, it it goes through all of the different parts of a musical and why the songs are in the places that they are. And it is really, really cool to read for anyone that is interested in musicals and musical theater. I'm checking it out. I can't believe I haven't read it yet. I know oh, it's are so, so great. There are so many great books on musical theater, you know, just the yeah. history of it the history of the form, all of it. And it's just so, Oh yeah, I have to pick that one up. That's okay. Great. This is so great. I, as we, as we wrap up here, I'm curious, metaphorically speaking, if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see, does anything come to mind? You can do anything. Yes. Because that, you know, we were talking about that earlier and I know that I knew that when I was younger and then again, I kind of lost track of it. And now I'm back to really finding that out again. It's like, I've, I'm now writing and producing and directing and I'm a songwriter. I put out an album, like, I, I, I don't, I've, I'm doing it all. And I, I didn't really give myself permission to do that for a number of years. I was, I was stuck in this thought that I was only a performer. And now I'm realizing I can do anything, and so can anyone else. You just have to do it. It's so true, and it's giving yourself yeah. the permission, which is absolutely, which is way easier said than done. And that's yeah. <laughs> that. And you know what? And I know, I know. I said we're wrapping up here. I'm curious. Was there an aha moment that stands out in your mind on giving yourself permission? Was there a moment in time that you recall, or was it over a period of time where you just kind of unlocked that? You know, I think it was kind of over a period of time 
little little goals that happened probably getting to broadway and then um starting when i started writing music and sharing it with people and then putting my album out there um a really big aha moment in the last year was i directed an off off broadway production of rent and we got incredible reviews and and it it was really really good and I had been directing some children's theater over the past few years, but that really made me realize that I am a director and that I can do anything. Uh, Mm. And also recently with writing this TV show, I never really considered myself an actual writer. And now I'm writing with, with my partner, Crystal and, and it, it does, you, you do something when you do something that you didn't think you could do. And then you realize well, I can do this. It, it really spurs you to keep going and, and do more things that you didn't think you could do. Yeah. And that's really exciting. And so, yeah, I'm finally back to this, like, I can do anything I want to. Oh, it's beautiful. And yeah. so it's such a, it's such a, you know, and it's almost sounds ironic, but like a blessing in a way to have this newfound time to do those, <laughs> to do those things that were always passions and we never had time to get to. And now, yeah. now you can. Absolutely. Uh, is there anything else you want to add before we end today? This has been such a great conversation. Gosh, I don't think so. <laughs> don't. Yes, I do. Yes. Don't vote for Donald Trump. Please go vote and vote for for Democrats there <laughs> and is. vote in your local vote for your local people that will fix everything on the local level. Vote for vote for your heart. Vote with your heart. And mail um, in if but, you need to. But, but please let's get rid of Donald Trump. Please, please, please let's get rid of Donald Trump. And don't drink Clorox. And do not drink Clorox. <laughs> oh my God. And just stay home. Everybody stay home and listen listen to this podcast. Oh, you're a sweetheart. Thank you so much, Lauren, for taking this time. Oh, thank you, Clayton. It was so much fun. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Lauren Elder. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.